Hi there, and welcome to the Homestead Education Podcast. Do you have a homestead, farm, or just dream of a rural life? This is a show to help you and your kids grow your own food and grow as a person. I'm your host, Cody Hanner. I'm a homesteader, homeschool mama six, and small town enthusiast. I was raised by an old school rancher and blessed by the grace of God to have been exposed to so much of what rural life has to offer. Join me every week to talk about homesteading, homeschooling, and growth with a homestead education. Hi, everyone. So as promised, I have a super interesting uh, episode today with James Berry from Pluck Seasonings. So hi, James. Hi, Cody. Such a pleasure. Absolutely. So I've been excited to just hear about you and what you have and kind of get some background on this for a long time. So do you want to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you. Yeah. So I'm a professional chef by trade. I've been in the field 20 years now. It's amazing to say. Um, I started out as a private chef to a bunch of celebrities like Tom Cruise, George Clooney, like, you know, names that everyone might know. Um, Uh And I, I loved it. I mean, I just, I loved supporting the individual to be healthier and, and to be, you know, good at what they do and um, health wise. And, and then eventually it got old and I was like, you know what, I want to help more people. And I started a meal delivery service in Los Angeles and I did that for about eight years, killed me um, because it was, uh, yeah. it was hard. Um, and, Anything in Los Angeles is hard, but I mean, that's maybe just my opinion. No, yeah, it, it was. And actually when we had our first child, we, we then left and we went to Portland, Oregon and I sold the business okay. and just kind of got my health back um, during our second child. And it was during that time that I came up with uh, my current product, which is called Pluck. And Really, my my kind of mission and my goal this whole time as a chef has been to try to help people with their health. And so how I do that is I really try to meet people where they are and where we kind of all are as humans is is comfort food. I mean, that's kind of what we oh, all get yeah. to, right? We're emotional eaters to a degree, you know, like the things that connect us to our childhood, the c- things that connect us to our traditions, whatever they may be. And so is, I was- Have you read the book, The Comfort Crisis yet? No, I don't. I never even heard of that one. So good. Anyways, he has a whole thing about how comfort food and how we're actually like wired to go for the comfort food. So, oh, I'm writing that down right now. Yeah, it's such a good book. Like, I mean, sorry, he like it's all about him hunting in the Arctic for 30 days. Like, it's pretty cool. Oh, I love that. I love stories like that. Um, Cool. Um, Yeah. So I, I, that's kind of what I specialized in was helping people with their health. And taking comfort foods and making them healthier. And so once I became a father, it was like, okay, what is ultimately what any of us want for our kids is we want them to be healthy and happy, mm-hmm. right? We want them to 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 basically out outlive us. <laughs> and so right. right, that's the goal. And um, and so I was just I when my kids were both pretty young, they're about four years apart, and the the, the oldest one was about five and the youngest was a little over one and they both got sick on this one trip to Canada. Um, we, they got shigatox which is a form of E. coli. So it can be very deadly. For, oh yeah. I was yeah, a safety specialist for years. So, okay. So, you know, shigatox is serious and it can be deadly for elderly or for young, young. People. Yeah. And the older one got through it in like a couple days pretty well, but the younger one, 
it would not let up. And you cannot give antibiotics. You probably know this, but just in case the listeners don't, you cannot give antibiotics for this. It's you can actually hurt the person if you do. So you have to like let it run its course and let the body. Yeah. Just have to let it run its course. Exactly. And it got really scary. You know, she, she couldn't keep you basically when you're, when you have this, you can't keep anything down in so that, and that includes even water. So I just watched her turn. She was already very lean child, but she went from lean to like skin and bones. And, um, it was scary. And I just remember thinking to myself, and then at one point it turned. So it was like eight days. I mean, it was long, like six or eight days. And then it turned and then all she would eat was toast. And, you know, like, that's kind of like when you get sick, you won't touch anything except the thing that you can hold in. And so it was kind of became a toast addict and like, no joke. Like she would not eat anything. I'm laughing because I have a a three and a six year old and they're toast addicts anyways. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well then you'll, you'll appreciate this because here as a parent, I'm like watching her eat. I'm glad she's eating of course, Uh but I'm also watching her eat just toast. And I'm like, I really wish I could put something on that toast to make it healthier, just something. And that's kind of where I started to get the idea of pluck is, 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 you know, really kind of taking, taking what I think is mother nature's multivitamin, like the, one of the most healthiest Mm -hmm. foods on the planet, which is the organ meats of the animal and making them so that they're not only delicious, but that you don't have to know how to cook them cook them and you don't need to worry about sourcing like just make it as easy as salting and peppering your food and that's that's where i got the idea and so i took five freeze-dried powdered organ meats i took liver heart kidney spleen and pancreas freeze-dried powdered forms and i combined them with organic spices and herbs and so now you have literally what you would call like a ancestral superfood powder that you can season all your food with and i love And that's now you'll appreciate this. Like now that my kids use it on everything, but now I watch my daughter put it on her toast and I'm like, yeah, (laughs) you know, like success. Can you figure out a way to mix it with cinnamon so they could do cinnamon sugar toast? You totally could. We, we sell, uh, we have four products and one of them is just the organ meat. So you could take that one and create your own pluck, like just mix your own seasonings that you want, like nutmeg, cinnamon, you know, anything you want. Because yeah, the cinnamon sugar, I think would, uh, you know, lock in that whole putting it on toast thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my, I kind of like the savory thing a little bit too. So yeah, my, my kids are, uh, they're very aware of the organs. And so in some ways that's a positive, but in other ways that they know when, like I make a lot of dog food out of organs and they don't love the smell. So if they thought I was trying to sneak organs into their food, they'd probably like revolt. <laughs> I will be, I know I was kind of shocked when we just learned before this started that you hadn't tried it yet. Cause I, I, I would, I want to hear how they respond. Cause I think they're mm-hmm. going to love it. And I don't think it will be an issue. Cause we, we typically it's not, but of course, most of our customers are not making dog food regularly. So I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think my dogs really care. They're pretty excited. So <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny, actually, a lot of te- I'm glad you guys are using organs for your dog food, because uh, a lot of pet food does not have organs in it. And mm-hmm. they really do want it and they need it. And so we even have a lot of people that buy our pluck pure, and they sprinkle that over their dog food and okay, or cat food, even cat or dog yeah. and, the, and the animals go crazy for it. Absolutely. I mean, so I mentioned before the call that we're hog farmers. So we go we 
sell, raise, butcher, whatever, about 350 hogs a year. Wow. And so that's a lot of meat in my freezer. And that's actually a lot of customers who don't always want like the fat and the organ meats and that type of stuff. And so I'll take that back from the butcher. And then again, that's what I use for my dog food because my family isn't big on the organ meat. Are you rendering all the fat for mm-hmm. just lard and stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we started using lard primarily instead of a lot of other fats. And the flavor is so much better. And what I've learned about it is just, I, I don't think I'd go back. Yeah, I, I totally understand. It's it's interesting because it's the closest to human meat and mm-hmm. or, you know, the biology. Mm-hmm. But it, that actually makes the fat really good for our skin. Yeah. It's so a better lot of for our skin, there, better for our bodies because yeah. we were meant to digest that. And it's like you said, it's the closest to us biologically. Like yeah, there's, there's a that couple be... of, I was going to say there's a couple of skincare companies. One of them is, is called Faro Life, but they they mm-hmm. use lard in their skincare. Oh, okay, yeah, I yeah. use a skincare that uses tallow, so yeah, similar. That's a. I can't think of the name right now. I probably should know it, you know, so I could booster she's great but you know (laughs) yeah no i i think that's it oh what is it called soups and co okay i think i've heard of that one actually yeah Uh, they do uh face creams and makeup but their face creams are all tallow yeah i feel like tallow is the predominant one when you find an animal-based skincare Mm -hmm. and uh lard is kind of making a little bit of a show there's a couple companies that are starting to use it yeah there really is i think the problem with lard that I find is there's a lot of people who just don't consume pork. Yeah. Yeah. And, exactly. you know, for religious reasons and stuff. So, I mean, we even, we have a lot of people in our area that don't consume pork and I have like the firefighters will be out on the line and I'm taking pork burritos out to everybody. And then I have like just some bean ones on the side for those guys, you know? <laughs> nah, that's kind of, that's so nice. But I, uh, yeah, I'm I'm kind of amazed learning about your your story about the six kids homeschooling, homesteading. That's like I was a stay-at-home dad for about four years. And mm-hmm. it was that was with two kids. Um, <laughs> primarily one though, because the other one was in school at the time. Okay. You know, like first grade or whatever. Yeah. And um it was some of the hardest work I've ever done. So I can't even imagine doing it with six kids uh, and doing it from home all the you time. You know, so this is actually one that I talk about a lot. Um, my husband is a, he's a stay at home dad too. He's uh he was a disabled veteran. Um, he was blown up three times in Iraq. So he has, he's, you know, he's functional, but he's not. So he can't work a full-time regular job. So we farm and we homeschool the kids. And then I have my own business that I run from home. But the trick is, the self-sufficient kids Hmm. and my kids from a really young age, I start teaching them how to care for themselves and how to care for the family beyond their own needs. Because I think that that's, we are facing an epidemic of very entitled kids. And I'm not even saying that as an insult to the children or to the parents. I think we were taught we're supposed to do for our children. But when you look back just 100 years, we were training our children to be our partners. And that's what I do in our house is we have six kids that are our partners. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I, 
we struggle. We were constantly like at them to try to, you know, support them in being self-sustainable mm-hmm. and it does show up, but yeah. whenever they don't have to be, or I say not have to be, but whenever they can try to sure. not be, they try to take it and you're just like, ah, oh. but like, absolutely. They're kids. Like I chase yeah. my ground and I'm like, why is there garbage everywhere? Right. Right. <laughs> you're just, you're just like, you just all have to, always have to be on them up to mm-hmm. hopefully up to just a certain age. I mean, I, my oldest is 11, so I haven't experienced that yet, but, um, uh-huh. but, uh, I, I just, I am seeing more and more of it coming out, particularly because they watched me cook. That yeah. was actually, that was actually really a, a struggle or a pain point for me. I'm wondering how it was for you. Um, so as a chef, I kind of like to get in the kitchen. I like to get it done and, or I use that as my downtime. So I do yeah. both. So, so it, it sometimes I'm listening to music mm-hmm. podcasts, something like that. Yeah. But the other thing I do is I just like to get it done and I can be really fast and I can, and I can, you know, be very efficient in the kitchen. But I had two kids that both were watching me cook that wanted to participate from a very young age. I mean, mm-hmm. like my youngest was probably uh, sitting on the counter or somewhere near there, like at two and mm-hmm. wanting to be a part of it. And so I immediately had to slow down. I had to, you know, like include her into it. And I say had to because she was not going to let me not include yeah, her. You no, know? They... She wanted to be a part of it. And I, and I quickly kind of like had to adjust my, my mindset to not just trying to get it done, but actually using this as time, not only for, you know, father daughter time, but also time to, okay, this is, this is where I get to support them in learning how to be self-sufficient. Like if I teach them how to cook, then they can do what you were telling me before this started about your 15 year old cooking dinner for the family, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, you got to change how you do your routine. Um, one of the ones, yeah, one of the ones I did so that I still, there was like two options. Um, one of them is I would go in and prep cook with my headphones in. I would get all the vegetables cut up. I'd get everything out and then I'd only have them in there for the magic, you know? Right. Right. And, or the other option is when they got a little older and they could start using knives and stuff then they would come in and we would do prep cook together. And then I'd be like, okay, thanks guys. You set the table while I whip everything up, you know? And now that I have 15 year olds and I have a 18 and 20 year old too, um, they, they can all cook. I mean, they have their nights that it's their night to cook. And a lot of times they're planning their own meals. They aren't just cooking whatever mom tells them to cook. They're doing the planning as well. Like my daughter, she actually, um, she was like, I want to cook dinner every night in December. And I was like, okay, well, I don't know that this is the best month for you to do this. Money's a little tight, you know? And she's like, oh, that makes it better because I'm going to try to do it without the grocery store, just with food we have in the house. Oh, wow. And so I said, okay, well, I know we're out of cheese and stuff. So let me see what I can figure up. And I did about a $200 budget for her. Um, which our budget is usually pretty low because we grow so much of our own meat and vegetables and that type of stuff. And so I did about a $200 budget for her and she did dinner and snacks for the entire month without the grocery store. Amazing. Yeah. I was so proud of her. That is some of the best education you can give someone. I think Mm -hmm. I really, um, cause you know, as you get older and I'm always telling people this, it is impossible to be healthy 
if you are eating out all the time. It's impossible. And that has to do with, mm -hmm. for so many reasons, some of them having to obviously do with ingredients because, you know, there's low margins um, with food products and restaurants. So they're cutting costs with their ingredients. Yeah. Um, and so the, really the only way to do it is to control the ingredients, which means you're cooking them from home. And a lot of people either don't like cooking because you know, they just weren't raised, you know, being taught to enjoy it. And that's okay. I think, yeah. I think there is this kind of belief that just because we eat, we're supposed to love cooking. And I don't, I don't think, I don't think that has yeah. to be, I think it's teach their own. Like if you like it, you like it. If you don't, that's okay. There's ways to get a, you know, get through it without liking it. Um, but then, you know, knowing what to do in the kitchen and how, how mm -hmm. to actually make it enjoyable or how to make it efficient. Um, one thing I'm always telling people is instead of thinking about and I'm sure this is probably actually how you guys need to cook with, you're saying eight people, right? So six mm -hmm. kids, and then two adults. Um, with that many people, you're probably having to do this is you don't actually follow a recipe necessarily, you're following a formula. Yeah. Right. So you're thinking about, okay, what do we need in this meal? We need, you know, dairy, we need protein, we need vegetables, we need a starch and you, and then you're just building it out from those things. And mm -hmm. then. You know, like something I used to do um, when I was training to be a chef is you, uh, you just you pick the container that, you know, like, let's say you guys have probably a, a couple casserole dishes or something. And you're like, OK, when we fill this dish, we know it feeds us times two, you know, like this meal mm -hmm. and the next meal. And so I always was telling people you just use visuals, you know, you just figure yeah. out what that container and you just build it into that container. And that's another one is like, well, for example, my husband hates leftovers drives me insane unless it's barbecue and then i think i think leftover barbecue is nasty because it tastes like stale smoke <laughs> but um <laughs> <laughs> well i think it reminds me of my younger days going to like bonfires and stuff and the next uh, day you stink you know like all your you go to put on your favorite hoodie and you're like nope not wearing that you know and that's what the leftovers smell like <laughs> So what do you do though if he doesn't like leftovers and your family six? Do you truly not have leftovers or are you just repurposing them, making them I repurpose something? Yeah, where he does repurpose them into something else. Yeah. And then he's not so, thinking this is what we just ate yesterday. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, like a big one I do is I'll do a pot roast. Well, then there's never enough meat left to like, you know, serve all of us again. So then I'll turn that into pot roast soup where I add some more broth if I need to. I shred that meat out. I add in some grains, you know, whether that be like rice or barley or whatever we have on hand or noodles or whatever and make like a crunchy bread to go with it. And it's a totally different meal. <laughs> I have someone entering. Oh, can you shut the door? <laughs> I'm surprised mine hasn't opened. So I, my, I can hear my three-year-old playing out there. So I'm surprised she hasn't came in to say hi. So. <laughs> that's like we're, we're we have a teacher strike right now so our kids are home it's uh it's so i mean i'm i'm saying that to a homeschooler i know that, <laughs> me, that doesn't get lost but it's very challenging when you uh both my wife and i are, are own our own businesses so we're entrepreneurs where we work mm -hmm. from home and so our lives um aren't set up really to homeschool and and no, yeah and, and it's interesting because i've actually had some um I've had some kind of mixed feelings about that because we have some really close friends in Connecticut who did homeschool. And I just had a conversation with them a few weeks ago about this, about how I just, I really believe in my heart that what they did and what you guys are doing and any homeschool out there, I'm like, I believe that's the way to do it. Like, I really think that you, 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 you 
the, at least the kids I see that go through it are very balanced. They're, they have a nice confidence to them. They, they have a self-sufficiency mm -hmm. part. And, and particularly when I think of this Connecticut uh, family, like their kids are uh, amazing. They are really mm -hmm. amazing kids that can really dive into a subject or dive into a passion and get very, very good at it. Like very top level. Yeah, and absolutely. Like, and I had to kind of like, I was sharing with them, like, I just had to kind of reconcile the fact that we didn't set our lives up like that. And, and I, I, I can't do it that way. Like I just, I made different choices. Yeah. And, um, and, and that's okay because that you, that okay. you know, what's best for your family. Yeah. Well, and sometimes I don't like, but, but sometimes it's like, I guess, well, I mean, I, I know what's, yes, you're right. I know what is best instinctively, mm -hmm. but I guess what I'm saying is that this is the best for us, but I, yeah. I recognize that homeschooling, there's something very special about it. Mm -hmm. um, and I find that it's very effective is what I guess I'm saying. Yeah. You know, we weren't homeschoolers originally. Um, we've only been homeschooling for eight years, which when we say only, that seems like a lot. But when we have a 20 year old, you know, that's that we pulled him out in junior high. Yeah. Wow. And um, we were living in Oregon at the time. We live south of Bend. And um, it was just not a good system for us. And we were trying to figure out what our next option was going to be. And that actually leads me into my story, which was one of the reasons why I was so interested in talking to you was my husband was diagnosed with in-stage liver disease. Okay. He was given, they didn't know we, you know, we're in the Portland VA and they're like, it's, it's terminal. Um, come back in a year if you're still alive and we'll check you for cancer. That was literally what they told us. And we just walked out the door and we were just like, what do we do? We didn't know what to do. Yeah, and yeah. one of them was we wanted to, if we only had a year or less with him, we wanted to spend more time with our kids. Um, and we needed to figure out how to raise all of our own food. And I mean, my husband and I couldn't do that alone. And honestly, he was so... I don't even know what the word for it is. I I don't know if it was depressed or angry or what that he had a hard time even doing a lot of the farming. Like I did a lot of it at that point and we needed more help. Hmm. Now, when we first started homeschooling, we didn't do it right. I was like, okay, we have to do our sit down and do school for six hours a day. And then we go farm. Now we're like, yeah, we farm. We should probably do some school today. Like, Okay, bust your books out while I'm drinking my coffee, <laughs> you know? Right, right. Um, it's, we're like, it's almost like life is the education. Yeah, exactly. You know, I have teenagers, so I make sure they get through their algebra. I make sure they get through their things that they need. And we spend the rest of our time studying things that they want to study. Right. Like they're, they'd go to a co-op, um, they're doing a debate class. And the debate class is on whether or not cows cause methane issues. Well, they come home and they're like, mom, can you help us with this? I'm like, oh, you came to the right lady. You know, I'm like, see this bookshelf, see the bookshelf that I've been dying to share with you. I can share it now. Right. <laughs> and I mean, they're um, one of them's reading an industry worth fighting for, for a, written by the Tillamook dairy farmer. And the other one's reading Red Meat Republic. Wow. So, I mean, they're just 
they're deep into this, you know, but that was what changed us going from our more commercial. I mean, I worked in commercial agriculture for 20 years or no, not 20 years. I've only been in working for 20 years. I worked in commercial agriculture for like 14 years. So, um, I, yeah, I majored in ag. My dad was a cattle rancher. That was our life. And when we realized, I, I mean, I came home from that appointment that day with my husband and was like, well, I don't accept this answer because his wasn't from drinking. It was from the burn pits in Iraq. So I'm like, okay, what are our options? And so I joined every Facebook group out there, you know, on, um, liver cirrhosis. My dad had actually died from liver cirrhosis, but from, for other reasons. And I called my stepmom and I was like, what did he do? What did the doctors tell him? You know, like I, I researched everything there was to research. I had a stack of books this big and I knew that I was, that if I had any chance of healing him, it was through food and going as all natural as possible. Um, that was seven, almost eight years ago now. And he's doing great. He actually had surgery this year on something else. They did a biopsy while they were in there. They said, we see a little bit of cirrhosis on the edge of your liver, um, a little bit of scarring. But other than that, you have a fully healed liver. So whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Yeah, the body is a miraculous thing. And mm -hmm. uh, I'm always trying to tell people like, I mean, really my first stop when anything seems off you know, if I have a sore throat or, or phlegm, anything, I immediately go to really- As I'm clearing my throat. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I go to basically two or three points, which is what am I eating? Mm -hmm. How am I sleeping? And and what's my environment? You know, am I in a toxic environment, more toxic environment? And, you know, like, but I really look at those three things. And the one that you can immediately, you know, adjust- is the food because yeah. sometimes sleep takes a little longer to digest and then of course if you're in an environment that you can't leave that's challenging okay. but but i always look at those three and um and it's amazing that what particularly when you focus on the food one because that is the one that you know you're doing the most often i mean i guess sleep is probably the second one yeah but, but those two can huge do huge huge yeah. changes in the body really you can see the the most benefits from focusing on those two and uh and for me so i didn't grow up eating organ meats even though i i believe that they're like i said the healthiest food out mm -hmm. there but i didn't grow up eating that way i mean i grew up eating tv dinners and like it, it, i was born in the 70s but i mm -hmm. i was like anyone born in the 70s will understand this you're kind of raised like a couple generations back you're you're raised the way your your parents were raised so so in many ways we were eating 1950s food like you know like yeah. st steak potato and frozen peas you know things like that it was very kind of like packaged and 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 i i say we were latchkey kids that lived off of macaroni and cheese because yeah. i was born in the 80s so totally and i same and kind I, of I remember kids like that, the latchkey stuff. Um, and, and so, yeah, so I, I, like, I, I always joke, but it's actually serious, which is we knew dinner was ready because the smoke detector went off. Like there, <laughs> no one cooked in my family, really, you know, it wasn't, that wasn't, we, we didn't eat for, we weren't foodies. We were yeah. functional eaters. And, uh, and so, um, 
so that's why it's such a I, I always believe that that you only know what you know. And the only way to really understand where you want to go is to have contrast. Like that, mm-hmm. I always think like that, like, con- like contrast to me is a very good thing to have because it teaches you what you do or don't want from yeah. contrast. And so for me growing up that way really helped me dial in my desire to get healthier with food. And yeah. so as I've like incorporated, like I'm, I'm a big, big, um, proponent of whole animal now because a lot of people that are eating carnivore a lot of people that are following specific diets they're they're kind of zeroing in on like only very specific parts of the animal like the Mm ribeye or or you you name it it's like very specific parts and i'm like no no like we need to think we need to think more because we talk about we talk a good game about environment we talk a good game about like oh the way our ancestors ate right well, no one in the past, and you're going to very much understand this as a homesteader, like you don't waste like that. That's not something you do. Like that's when I butcher something. a chicken, we use that whole thing and it covers several meals too. Do you, and I imagine you use the feet as well for broth, right? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, yeah. You use the whole thing. That's, that's the I most. I even use the feathers. They go in my compost. Oh, amazing. So, so that is like, to me, the most ecological and humanistic way to be Mm -hmm. and it's fascinating because the way our society is now and the way the food industry that you know we're we're so kind of removed from our food sources but one of the things that's developed is that when you look at how an animal is slaughtered these days it they classify like the the inedible parts or the the kind of the waste parts it's about 40 percent of the animal and then this is including the organs and when you then kind of remove the organs that people do eat, you're still left with about 30% of that animal that's just getting tossed, basically. Yeah. I mean, with a steer, you're looking, I think it's 48% that you get back in meat and like bones and fat and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So not even 50, you see that? And that's my point. I mean, of course, when you're looking at a steer, they also have the giant rumen that's full of like liquid. You don't want anything. You don't want that. But still, that's a huge. Significant. Yeah. It's very significant. So I'm always trying to tell people, like, if you want to, if you you could talk climate change, you could talk about electric cars, whatever. I'm like, but the most ecological thing you could do is just eat whole animal, like Mm -hmm. start using these parts of the animal that are so nutritious and so good for us and stop putting all that money towards supplements and all these pharmaceuticals. It's like, you can get these nutrients naturally to your point. Like we can actually get our health back naturally by just eating the real food source. Yeah, you absolutely. I mean, I think that, I mean, I have, a, I'm a big one on, I think we could turn so much of our environment and our health around if we just focused on soil health and eating natural foods. Yeah, absolutely. Also, you know, absolutely. And, and, you know, there's this great quote from Bill Schindler. He wrote the book, Eat Like a Human. He's a, uh, he's a uh, professor of uh, archaeology. And he says, we are the only species in the world that looks to someone else to tell us what to eat. Yeah. And, and that 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 quote always floors me because it's like, you know how many species there are in the world? There's a lot. And yeah. we did at one point know what to eat because we are an animal just like they are. And all mm-hmm. animals know, they have their instincts and know what they can eat. And so the fact that we've gone so far to not know anymore is 
the point that I'm trying to make to everyone nowadays is like, so how can I, like, even as a chef and as a business owner, now I come to the table, like, so how can I help people get back to their own instinctual instinctive knowledge of what to eat? Because it's mm -hmm. not working where we look to Cause if you're, if you're on Instagram and socials or on Google and you're, you're basing your diet off of that right now, you're probably very confused because right. everyone's saying something different. You're probably feeling overwhelmed by the thing. Like if, like, like me, I grew up being told you should be eating your vegetables. And now all these influencers that are carnivores saying, no, don't eat your vegetables. Cause they'll kill you. It's like, what? Like we're talking. Yeah. Absolute. I just go with don't eat vegetables that are covered in pesticides. Yeah, there you go. And Although, you know what? I was at the store the other day and I, we talked about this with the mac and cheese before we hopped on. It's all about some, what's, I always like lose moderation. my word. Moderation. moderation. Yeah. You know, we, I, they had their can sale at the store the other day and you could buy entire flats of like corn and tomatoes and peaches and all that stuff i think it was like for five dollars a flat that's, i'm like i'm sorry i'm buying that especially when i have children that plow through food yeah. but i also know that the rest of their meals come directly off my farm so yeah you, in moderation i mean i i think i was just having a conversation with someone today about this it's like there's a lot of food shaming going on there's a lot of like this this kind of this mentality of like, you have to be wealthy to be healthy. And it really bugs me. And, um, and I just, you know, I had someone the other day, they told me that homesteading is for rich white women. And I was like, I'm not rich. And we all work our butts off. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I would say, yeah, I would not say that at all. That's, that's absurd. Uh, I mean, I think, I, I think that um, the more that we can kind of make kind of like meet people where they are, you know, mm. in their diet. And, and what I try to do is just bring awareness of like, well, what, what, how does, how does whatever you're doing, no matter what diet you're doing, like, how does it feel in your body? Like, if, how can I support the person in just kind of like feeling what their body feels like eating that food? And sometimes it's as simple as like saying a prayer before you eat, you know what I mean? Just to slow down. You know, maybe it's putting your fork down after every bite, you know, just anything that kind of will slow you down a little bit, not and not multitasking while you eat, sitting down, not having, you know, phones and all that stuff um, at the table. But anything that kind of a gets you to eat slower, because that gives your body time to not to kind of communicate to itself, but then also be. Um, give a little space after you finish eating to see like, how, how do I feel? Like, how did this, how did it, how is this, you know, sitting with me? If you've, because I used to, I grew up thinking, okay, at the end of most meals, particularly holiday meals, that you should be unbuttoning your, your pants and undoing your belt. Like, that's a normal thing. Yeah. I grew up thinking like, oh, you should be burping and having flatulence every night, you know, like excessively. Like, I, that, I thought that was normal because we did. Mm-hmm. I thought that was all just, this is how we are. And so the more I've kind of recognized like, oh, these are health ailments. Like these are, these are chronic illness kind of things like skin rashes that won't go away, uh, thinning hair, um, eyes that are always red, things like that. Like you start to pick up on the signs and you're like, oh, okay. So this is a negatively affecting my health, but I thought it was because I didn't sleep well last night, or I thought it was because, um, 
I don't know, my genes, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, it's like, I, I didn't realize the mental health and like energy that is yes. associated with your food. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, honestly, like, so I mentioned sleep, right? So mm -hmm. sleep to me is actually for me is more important than what I eat. And here's why it's because the sleep that I got the night before determines what I eat. If I didn't get good sleep, I make poor food choices. Yeah. So that's why I now put sleep ahead of food because it helps determine what I eat. It helps me manage what I eat if I've been well rested. So, mm -hmm. so I think that's the really key. The key is that we slow down. We kind of start to really look inward as we eat and as we go about our day to see how is how am I not only interacting with the world around me, but just my own conditions, the, the, the habits that I've created, like the, the hours of sleep I do a night, the food that I put in my body, the people I interact with, the conversations I have, like really kind of looking inward to see like, where, where does this stuff land with me? And then as you start to get more sensitive to it, then notice like, oh, when I eat, I mean, you know, for me, for example, it's like when I eat sugar, when I get sugar, when I eat sugar, I feel bloated. Like I literally feel it. My butt, my belly wow. feels like it's full of air. And I'm like, oh, okay. So maybe next time I won't choose to eat that sugar because now I know how it makes my body feel. Yeah, you know, that's awesome. It. You know, it's, um, what's that saying that, you are the, you're most influenced by the five people that you spend most of your time with. Absolutely. And I think it just goes so far beyond that. Like you're most influenced by the five things that you spend the most time with. And when you're looking at your food and your sleep and the books that you consume and did I already say food and the electronic time that you spend and that type of stuff, those all are having just as much or a bigger effect on you sometimes even than the people you spend your time with. Oh, I wholeheartedly agree. Like, well, and, and I also, what I hear us talking about now is like habit as well. Like what are, mm -hmm. what are your daily habits? And I'm, you know, one of the questions we get around pluck is that, you know, well, how much organ meat am I really getting? And I'm like, okay, yeah. well, let's talk about that. So, so if you're someone that has been tested and knows that they need very specific amounts of vitamin A or, or, or certain minerals like iron or whatever, then you're going to want to probably purchase our product pure, which is just hundred percent organ meat, which is very similar to capsules. Mm -hmm. A teaspoon of that equals two ounces of wet organs. Okay. Oh, okay. So that's, that's basically how it works is because when you have a hundred percent wet organ and you freeze dry it, you're left with about 20%, 20 to 21% of that organ. And you know, when it's freeze dried and powder, so you lose a lot in water weight. So I'm always telling people, okay, like, so two ounces of wet is about a teaspoon of the pure. And that's great. So they have an outlet that you can add it to your smoothies. You can add it to food. You can do whatever you want with it. You know, your ground meats, you can mix it in. No one will know it's there. So that's a great so way. Does to it have a, when you just do the plain, does it have a flavor? It's very neutral. It's got a little bit of a meaty taste at the end, but very, okay. it's, it's very slight. So I know, you know people. I bought a collagen one time. And see, I went to college right next to a rendering plant. I don't know if you've ever smelled a rendering plant in the uh, line that you work in. <laughs> and I could like at the this college that I bought tasted like the rendering plant. Like I couldn't do it. I tried so hard. Like I even like cut it in half and I'll do two smoothies a day. No. Mm -mm. Yeah, I would I would be curious because I find this is pretty neutral. And I mean okay. there's people, there's people that are putting it on their eggs. Now I personally wouldn't do that, but 
they're like they're hardcore carnivores so they're not doing uh seasonings or spices so they're just using like salt and then pure and they love it they're like no this gives this nice umami flavor to my food and i didn't have that before it's great it adds a variation i'm like cool um but why i so then the seasonings are not 100 products so the reason um when someone says well how much am i really getting of those ones i always say okay well think of it this way we focus we're kind of designed to focus a lot on the amounts that we eat or do of something but what we really should be focusing on and this is what we were just talking about is habit so what we should really be focusing on is duration like how often are you doing whatever it is you're doing because for example most people as it is right now like they're not eating organ meats. So you're not doing anything. Yeah. And if they are, they might be eating them once a month to maybe once every six months, if that, mm -hmm. right? So let's just take another topic. Uh, intimacy. If you're someone who's working on intimacy, you are you really going to move your needle, your intimacy needle, if you hug someone once every six months? So twice yeah. a year? No. Not, right? It does. So it doesn't matter if it's a long hug or a short hug, or it doesn't matter. <laughs> Because you only did it once in six yeah. months. But if you did a touch on someone's shoulder every single day, that's going to start to move your comfort needle and move you towards more intimacy, right? So it's not, or let's say a hug each day. And it could be a short hug at first, but it's eventually going to grow to a longer hug. So mm -hmm. you you actually build more kind of like uh, more of whatever it is your habit is that you do daily. And, and to me, that's the marker we want to look at is what are we willing to do daily? I don't care how much of it you do, What, but what will you do daily? Well, and for my money, I know we're going to season our food because we already do it. It's not a new habit. Yep. We already put I salt. I keep the salt shaker right next to the stove. Right? So you do it already. So that's all I'm saying to people. It's like, look, instead of doing what Lowry's or whatever other seasoning you're putting in your food, just use this. And now you're getting micro dosing of those organ meats, but you're getting it every time you eat. Okay. Yeah. And you get cumulative effect. And we know cumulative effect works because of glyphosate. Glyphosate in the 19, um, late 1950s, it was put in Roundup. It was sold at very, very minute amounts, like crazy, crazy small amounts in Roundup. At least that's what we were told. Well, over time, because people use Roundup and they uh, nonstop back then and, and still do now, and then they started putting it in GMO seeds and whatnot, it's now in everything. We can't get rid of it. It's in our soils. It's in our water. It's in our air. It's in our breast milk. It's in hummus. It's in, I mean, it's literally everywhere. Yeah. And so that is a, that is a negative way that microdosing you know, worked, but it also can work for the positive. And so I just choose to use it with organ meats because I know I'll do it if it's in pluck form. And I probably won't do it if I have to, you know, deal with, you know, a, a whole liver or a heart. If I have to deal with that every week, I probably won't do it. There. Yeah. I mean, like I said, we actually deal with organ meat a lot in our house. And with that, I I'll admit like a deer heart has a smell and a pork liver or probably any liver turns to goo in the meat grinder. Right. Like it definitely has an effect, you know, when we have that visual and sense going on with our organ meats, we don't think that they're bad. We just, it's harder to make them part of our regular diet. Yeah. You can't get past that hump. <clears throat> and that's, that's actually how I dealt with people as when I was chefing for private clients is mm -hmm. 
is I, one of the things I immediately identified is I, I would talk to the client about their comfort foods. What did you eat when you were a kid, when you were in an emotional state, when you were rewarded? Like I got an idea of what, what their baseline food, food go-to uh, go is, but then I would go to what's your texture? What, what are the things, the smells, what are, you know, what, what mm. are the identifiers of what inspired or, or kind of turned you away from food? And once I learned that, I could I could really take anything and make it to their liking. And so it's the same thing with organ meat. If you're used to grinding it and smelling it in that way, then immediately what I would do is is give it to you in a totally different form, mm -hmm. so that you don't have to. So one thing um, I always recommend to people as a potential step towards easing organ meats in their diet is you keep it frozen. You actually don't defrost it because the minute you defrost it, it becomes overwhelming. It's bloody. It's kind of a different texture. It's, yeah. you know, it liquefies when it's really warm. So you keep it frozen and then you can just kind of grate it into your ground meats and just okay. do it. So then there's no smell. It's minimal smell when it's frozen. It's you really can't smell it. But then you just grind it into your ground meats, mix it in. And then if you keep it at a low ratio, like, so let's just say for two pounds of meat, I would only use like a tablespoon of grated liver. Okay. Like that's a smart way of doing tons. that. You don't need tons. But like, I mean, that's how I sneak spinach into their food. I put it in their tacos, you know? Exactly. Same concept. So then you just do that and you mix it really well and no one will know. No one will okay. know. You know, and then add seasonings and stuff like that. And so, um, Tell me a little bit more about your pluck seasonings. I mean, we've talked about how to use them a little bit. Like what, what flavors do you have? Cause you said you had some different seasonings. Yeah. So we're, so, so what I'm trying to do with pluck is really solve those hurdles. And we just talked mm -hmm. about that one, the texture one, you know, and the yeah. cooking of the one and the flavor. And then the other one is sourcing. You know, a lot of people don't know where to source really good organs that clearly you guys are getting some good ones, but like most people don't. Well, uh, yeah. And there's only one per animal. So they're just right. not as, yeah, totally. Totally. So what we do is we source from New Zealand from 100% grass fed cows. What's nice about New Zealand is it's an island and they do get green grass year round, which as you probably know is unheard of in most of the world. Like they also, I believe they have the only non-GMO honey because, or that can be certified by the non-GMO project because they're on that island. Yes. Because there's no contaminants. Yet yeah. Or whatnot. Yeah, totally. Not so yet. They yeah. They can control their environment a bit more than any of us can. So we source from there. And um, and then we we basically, when you get it, it's it's about a month supply in the bag. Or you can get our large, like for you guys, you would probably need our larger bag since you're a bigger family. But um, basically, uh, we you treat it like some people put it in their food where they're cooking it. Like I said, they mix it in the, the ground meats or whatever they do. Mm -hmm. They treat it like salt as you're salting your food. But we even recommend you use it as a, as a, like a finishing salt, like have it on the table mm -hmm. because then you're getting maximum flavor and maximum yeah. nutrition. Because the, the key, I mean, th that's really ultimately why I would want people to be eating this because I want you to get the nutrition, but I know you won't get this nutrition unless it tastes good. I mean, that's, that's right. actually- yeah. It's kind of fascinating. If I learned anything in my culinary career in 20 years, I've learned that if you're, if you have a food product, it's got to hit two things and really only these two things. But if it doesn't hit both of them, it doesn't work. It will only be a trend. It won't, it won't be mm -hmm. lifestyle and it's got to be easy and delicious. I believe when you yeah. hit those two things, you tap, 
kind of human nature, which is we look for things that are easy. Mm-hmm. So we can, you know, we can get overwhelmed and or lazy, right? We just kind of just yeah. we don't want to deal with all these new things all the time. And then we want it to taste good. We, we if it if it's healthy, it doesn't taste good. We'll do it maybe for a couple of weeks, but we won't do it very long. Yeah. Nope, that is absolutely true. I mean, that's you know when we changed our eating habits for my husband. Yes, the work of growing the food was harder, but that was what our that was our hobby. That was our daily life. But when it came to eating, our goal was how he felt like he had so many things taken away from him. He didn't want his food taken away from him too. Yeah. And so that was my goal was making his, making our normal diet, our comfort foods taste just like they always have. Yeah. But be healthier. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we made some mistakes at first, you know, we went with the uh, manufactured products and, low fat milks and things like that. And, you know, now my husband drinks two or three glasses of raw unseparated milk a day and has lost 70 something pounds and is as healthy as he can be. Yeah, that's amazing. I would be curious. So there's this idea of like supports like, Mm -hmm. and uh, I'd be so curious to see if that even improved your husband's health even more, which is so the idea being that you, that part of the animal that you're eating is supporting that part in you. Mm Mm-hmm. So liver supporting yeah. your liver, heart supporting your heart. And if you look at the nutrition, you know, in these organs, like for example, I'll, I'll just share a few. So like liver, that's the one that's the nutritional powerhouse. That one is mo- the most concentrated form source of vitamin A, which is also known as retinol. Uh, it's known for maintaining reproductive health, your eyesight, skin health. It's bioavailable, meaning that's easily a- assimilated into your body. Um, and it supports, you know, heart disease and Alzheimer's as well. So it supports you not getting those things as, as easily. The kidney is rich in B12, which obviously muscle meat is as well, but it also has selenium and, and heme iron. Um, it's, uh, it's high in folate, uh, which plays a role in repairing DNA and producing red blood cells. And then uh, heart is a perfect one because there's this thing called CoQ10. That mm-hmm. if anyone's in the cardiovascular world or has any heart issue, you've probably heard of co- CoQ10. It's um, it's an anti-fatigue, anti-aging nutrient. So it's 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 the one that's kind of uh, protects us from cardiovascular disease. Well, it's very high in heart. And then you have pancreas, which is very high in natural enzymes. Um, so and then spleen is is even higher in iron than liver is. So it's just a real and it supports immunity, um, but. What's interesting, and this is why I really talk whole animals, and you you just made a beautiful point, which is, well, when we kill the animal, it's got one heart, it's got one liver. So how do we truly get all everything we need from that one heart? Well, you don't necessarily, but that's why when you eat the whole animal, you're getting it from other sources. Mm-hmm. Spleen has the iron as well. You don't just need it all from the liver. And if you if you get it from different sources, as long as you're eating the whole animal, you're going to get something, you're going to get what you need. And what we find is that actually when people have the options to eat what what they can or what they want from that animal, you tend to gravitate towards what your body needs. And that's a fascinating one that goes to like our own instinctual kind of, yeah, you know, desires or our instincts of what we need. But there was this study, I think it was like in the 30, it, it, it was a long time ago 
and it was done in this this orphanage and what they did was they put all these foods out and back then it was like whole animal foods plus fruit vegetables it was everything it wasn't just like you know chickpeas or something it was like literally anything yeah and they they had brain they had bone marrow i mean they had every part of the animal and it was a study to show that kids will gravitate towards what their body needs and it was true and you know what the two number most popular foods were it was bone marrow and um and actually brain so so kids naturally gravitated towards because what are what does a growing kid need the most of right bone marrow and brain really right they don't need liver necessarily because yeah that's something you need when you're when you're when you get older and as your body is struggling to detox right so mm -hmm. the, liver, the filtering organ so you're going to need support around that filtration as you get older when your body's been taxed by your environment but when you're a child hopefully you you haven't been taxed in that way yet and so but they're in the development stage. So bone marrow is absolutely something that's supporting development, brain supporting development. So I just, love that. I love that kind of stuff, but that is, yeah, supports life, uh, likes, yeah, like supports life. I, you know, that there's something to be said for that. I'm, I'm interested in watching that more with my children because like my little guys, their absolute favorite is my homemade broth. Like they will drink it like it's soda. Yeah. So, and it's high well, in gelatin. It's going to probably yeah. even have some bone marrow in there. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, makes sense. So as we're getting close to the end of our time, my favorite question to ask everyone is what does keep growing mean to you? Keep growing. Oh, well, I see it as like having a beginner mind. Like that's, oh. and that's something I'm very much in right now. Like I, I really try to approach everything as like, well, I don't know. Tell me, let me learn. Like, like that learner, learner kind of beginner mind where, because I think it's really easy, particularly I'm I'm 50 now, and it's easy for me to come into a situation and go like, oh, I already understand this. I know that. I know this. I've lived a life. It's like, no, if I come to that situation, like truly with that open mind, open heart, like it's amazing. I get I get a lot out of it. And and the truth is, I don't know everything like we're in a this modern world is moving fast. And there's so much yes, I don't is. know. There's so much I don't know. And so I, I truly love going to like conferences where instead of sitting there with my arms crossed, you know, and like pretending like, you know, listening to the speaker and being like, oh, I already know what they're going to say. Like, I truly like I lean forward and I and I have mm -hmm. my notepad and pencil ready. And I'm like, I'm like, let's let let me learn. Show me show me the education, you know, whatever it is. You know what I do with that is uh, like social media marketing and like how to do like back end workflows for my business and stuff. I take these like beginner classes or I'll download or pay for like a beginner course on that stuff. And I treat it like I am brand new every time. And I like rework all it. these systems to make sure that I'm most, the most up to date as I can possibly be on those things. Even though I've been doing social media marketing and backend stuff for, you know, years. Yeah. But it's always changing and you probably, mm -hmm. you probably really are learning a lot every time, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. tell us everywhere we can find you and what we should go buy and <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know that's true. You asked what the products were. So we have the pure, which is 100% mm -hmm. uh, organ meat that has no salt, no seasonings, no spices. That's that's called pure. It's a black bag. Then we have our probably our most popular product, which is called uh, original. It used to be called all purpose, but it's it's basically the first one we came out with. It's a yellow bag. I would say it's closest to 
kind of like a Lowry's all-purpose or an Old Bay. Okay. It's got that flavor. Oh, yum. Yeah, super yummy, super versatile. They're all very versatile, but because that was our first one, we we just said it was all-purpose so people understood. Yeah. Uh, and then we have um, a zesty garlic, and that one's really unique. It has no nightshades, so like no peppers, no tomato, nothing like that, no peppercorns. And then also has no seeds, so like no cumin, no, you know, literally no nothing that would be a seed. Um, and that's that's nice for some people because there are some people out there, a fairly large population that can't do those things. They're, they're very sensitive okay. to those things. Um, but what's cool about it is it kind of tastes like ranchy. It's kind of got that herby, um, garlicky taste to it. It's really it's it's probably one of my favorites I because it's so unique. I love it. I love that one. And it's even got a little carrot in there. Like a lot of people don't know that. It's got some carrot in there. And then the we can third... let these in too. <laughs> yeah, get them in. And then the third one is uh, it's called spicy mild, and it's really kind of like our. I, I would say it's kind of like our. Uh... I have a dog behind me throwing up. <laughs> oh, gross! <laughs> nice. Um, I don't know if you could hear it, but wow. Anyway, I heard I, something, but I, I, yeah, I figured it was a kid or something. So, oh my gosh, this is nonstop in <laughs> this house. Um, right. <laughs> but the spicy mild is closest to like taco seasoning and it's, oh, but okay. it's not too spicy. It's pretty mild. We are going to have a spicier one coming out later, but for right mm -hmm. now, this one is more mild. Okay. And it, it just is a great, great, like everyone uses it like a taco seasoning, you know, for anything. That awesome. They to I, I grew um, up in California. I'd live off of that. Oh, there you go. I, where did you grow up in California? In Northern California, like wine country. Okay. I was in San Jose. I grew up in San Jose. Oh, okay. Um, One of my dad's shipyards was in San Jose. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So you were like in uh, like now. I grew up in Mendocino you? County. My dad's oh, family's okay, ranch yeah, yeah. was in Sonoma County. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I So I lived in California and then I moved <laughs> to Oregon as well. Mm -hmm. um, I Well, first I was Northern, then I was Southern and then Oregon. Yeah. Um, so, but I was in Portland, not Bend area, but, but, um, but so you can find us at eatpluck.com. Um, Eat okay. And I'll and link can, all this in the show notes. Yeah. And you can find us on, uh, socials as well at, at eat pluck and you can find me at chef James Berry. And, um, and we're happy to, I'm happy to make a discount code available to your audience if you'd like. Okay. That would be great. Yeah, we can, um, you can put it in the show notes, but we'll, we'll make sure they get a 20% discount. You can just tell me what that, well, you can even tell me right now what you want that to be and we'll, and I'll get that created. Uh, just make it easy. Like Cody 20, K-O-D-Y. K-O-D-Y 20, everyone for 20% off your first. Ooh, purchase. awesome guys. Like you'll definitely want to hop over there and grab this. I'm going to be doing it myself. I'm so excited to, um, work on changing our habits and changing our diet. So right. thank you so much for having or for coming on today. Yeah, thank you. Did you enjoy today's episode? If so, please head over to your favorite podcast player and leave a comment and review. This helps me to know what you're enjoying and helps others find an episode that can help them. Thank you for joining me today at the Homestead Education. And I hope that I have given you something to think about this week. To help others find me, please comment and leave a review on your favorite podcast player. You can also follow me on Facebook at The Homestead Education and Instagram at homestead underscore education. Do you have questions that you would like answered or just want to say hi? Please email me at hello at thehomesteadeducation.com. Until next time, keep growing!